man, I, I'm walking people off the ledge here or, or wa- yeah. walking people off the levee. Let, let, let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. You know, er, early in the season, it was, oh, oh man, you know, Trevor Penning is going to get somebody killed. We can't have him out there. And, and then come come Sunday, come come week three, now, now that he's had 100 snaps to, to kind of, you know, adapt and develop a little bit. Uh, it wasn't him getting beaten against the Packers. It was your $96 million right tackle, Ryan Ramchek, who allowed two sacks, got, got whipped by Rashawn Gary. Uh, you've, you've got, you know, your $60 million center, Eric McCoy, getting dog walked by, by uh, Kenny Clark. I mean, I mean it, it was brutal. You know, th- these are your foundational pieces. These are guys that the Saints spent first and second round picks on that they signed to, you know, huge contracts, you know, top of the market contracts who are just playing poorly and getting beaten one-on-one. Welcome to the show. It's the Saints Wire podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by Saints Wire managing editor John Sigler. John, how are you doing this week, man? Man, I'm, I'm doing as well as we can. Coming off a tough loss in Green Bay, but it's always a great day to talk Saints football, and uh, can't wait can't wait to break it down with you. Yeah, 100%. We have plenty of uh, of big topics to get to on the show, John, this week. I think the biggest one, obviously, being Derek Carr's shoulder injury. Now we're recording a little bit earlier in the week. We'll see what comes of it. But let's just we'll react to a little bit of sound here. Here's uh, Dennis Allen talking about the status, updating the press on Derek Carr's uh, shoulder injury not so long ago. No, I think my understanding would be this is more of a, a pain tolerance type of deal. I mean, there, there's been a lot of players that have played with um, – an injury like this certainly when it's quarterback it's a little bit different but um but yeah i think it's i think it's i'd say functionality i don't think it's a a, a further risk of in injury it's can you function and do your job um you know as well as a you know kind of a pain tolerance type deal yeah so i liked how dennis allen put that john um now obviously Derek carr was slammed to the ground pretty hard by rashawn gary um, I think the team probably feared originally there was damage to the collarbone, right? He was in the hospital getting x-rays uh, before he flew back with the team. So th- I think I think they were fearing something worse. They ended up getting the good news, just the AC joint sprain. It happens in the NFL. It happens to quarterbacks. Uh, but DA kind of explaining it as, hey, look, it's, you know, Derek will be back under center when he can do physically all the things we need him to do. Until then, um, you know, he won't be. But it's not an issue of IR, like the injured reserve. It's an issue of can he handle the pain? So that's the question, right? How much does Carr push to play this week? You know, big division home game against the Bucks. You know, some separation at the top of the NFC South on the line. It does not sound like he's going to play this week, right? If you listen to Adam Schefter and all that. Uh, sounds like he has a much better chance to play, you know, week five in Foxborough against the Patriots. But my take on this is kind of developing, John. And I don't, I don't want to like it to come off as harsh. I don't want to say like I'm, I'm out here questioning Derek Carr's toughness because I'm not. Uh, you know, I had a crick in my neck the other day. I was out for 24 hours. I had a crick in my neck, could not even function physically. So I can't even imagine what an AC joint sprain feels like. Basically, like a separated shoulder, right? Yeah. But this kind of injury is one that like the crazies, you know, like the Tom Brady's of the world would probably play through. The Jimmy Garoppolo's would sit this one out, you know, for multiple weeks. <laughs> Uh, but I think this is an opportunity. Derek Carr, he could push the play here. I think his teammates would respect it, rise up. I think the fans, uh, the New Orleans fans in this home game would rise up for this. They, they would appreciate it. So I think it could be a good look if Derek Carr, even if he's held out by the coaches, if he pushes to play, John, I think that would be a good look for him. Uh, and that's what I would want to see as a fan. But I was wondering what your take on this whole situation, Derek Carr, the injury, him possibly sitting out this game and all that. What do you think? 
Yeah, I fully expect him to try and, and you know, plead his case to the coaching staff. He, he has a history of playing through injuries like this before uh, with the Raiders, and I fully anticipate him, him to, to give it a shot. And, you know, whether that means taking whatever painkillers he can get his hands on. There's or, plenty of them out there, yes. Yeah, there, there are, and, and, and uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to talk about the Saints' history with that. But um, <laughs> but he, he's going – I fully expect Derek Carr to give, give it his best shot and do everything he can – to try and be available for Sunday and try and help this team uh, w- win this football game. Um, now, whether they're going to allow him to do that, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's 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 a long season. They're two and one. Uh, it's not the end of the world if they drop another game, drop another loss here to to to, to the Bucks. You know, you obviously you would like to win a divisional matchup. You would like to have everybody on the field who can play, uh, but it's not you know the end the end of the line if they come up short here. Um, now, with that said. Like Dennis Allen said uh, earlier this week, you know they're they're not going to make rush to make any decisions here. They're not ruling anything out. They're not saying that hey, there's no way he's going to play. Uh, they're they're going to give give him this week to rest up, see how his shoulder responds to treatment, and see what kind of shape he's in come Sunday, and, and then I think they'll make a call. So you know, me personally, I look at this as much more of you know a game time decision style injury as opposed to a going to miss two, four, six games and, and then, then we'll reevaluate. Like I, I could totally see him running out of the tunnel on Sunday. Uh, that to me, that that is absolutely possible. Whether the coaching staff agrees, we'll have to wait and see, but they, they've won games with Jameis Winston at quarterback before. And, you know, maybe third time's a charm for him against Tampa Bay because he, he's uh, started against them twice with the saints. He, he got knocked out with a dirty hit by Devin white in the first game. And then they lost last year, obviously. So maybe this, maybe, hey, this is a try number three. And, you know, maybe this is the, the game where Jameis can step up and come away with a win. I'm with you, John. I kind of expect Derek Carr to be coming out of the tunnel and put, at least pushing the play. And if the coaches are the ones that hold them back and say, no, we don't think you're quite ready physically from what we've seen, fine. But I, I expect Derek Carr to try to play. Um, if not, I would be like, come on, dude. What's going on with you? Let's go. Let's go. Big game, right? Let's get out there and play. Uh, but anyway, another factor here and I think Saints fans are, are definitely worried about this John is just the state of the offensive line I mean it was only a matter of time that Derek Carr was going to get banged up right he's getting hit he's getting sacked quite a bit uh I think it's 11 sacks now in 11 quarters uh in in, yeah. in his but, Saints but, career sacks, three yep. games yep and the pressure was I mean I, that's pretty good uh Packers front but there was a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks in this game too right John so offensive line how concerned should Saints fans are Saints fans right now about that unit Man, I, I'm walking people off the ledge here, or, or, or yeah. walking people off the levee. Let, let, let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. You know, er, early in the season, it was, oh, oh man, you know, Trevor Penning is going to get somebody killed. We can't have him out there. And, and then come come Sunday, come come week three. Now now that he's had a hundred snaps to to kind of you know adapt and develop a little bit, uh, it wasn't him getting beaten against the Packers. It was your ninety six million dollar right tackle Ryan Ramchak who allowed two sacks, got got whipped by Rashawn Gary. Uh, you've you've got you know your sixty million dollars center Eric McCoy getting dog walked by by uh, Kenny Clark. I mean, I mean it, it was brutal. You know th- these are your foundational pieces. These are guys that the Saints spent first and second round picks on that they signed to you know huge contracts. You know top of the market contracts who are just playing poorly and getting beaten one on one. It's hard. It's hard to say. You know how do we fix this? Because everyone wants to shrug and say, oh, just sign the. You know Lyle Collins and have and have him start at right tackle. Well, that 
the Saints are not going to take Ryan Ramchek out of the game if he's healthy. Like, like he is earning too much money, and he is there's too much riding on him to succeed uh, just to take him out of the lineup. That that's not realistic. That's not going to happen. It really comes down to saying these guys have to play better. And I know fans don't want to hear that because they want to hear, oh, well, they need to sign somebody else or they need to fire the coach. But none of that is realistic and none of that is going to really solve the problem here. You know, there's not an appetite inside the building for making those kinds of major changes. So the Saints need these guys who they have drafted highly, paid highly to play at a high level. And that's just not happening right now. And that's got a lot of people worried. Yep, as it should. And you, and you got to wonder, you know, if Derek Carr is laboring a little bit, and the coaches see it and they wonder, hmm, yeah, I don't know if we want to put you back behind that line that's not performing um, how, <laughs> right. we, how we want it to right now. So all that factors into, uh, what, you know, what I agree with you, John, is uh, probably a game time decision on Carr. Um, if it is Jameis, like I said, and I think you probably agree, John, based on what I'm hearing from you, I'm fine with that. I think Jameis is fine. I thought he was fine on Sunday when he came in. First of all, the momentum was on Green Bay's side after that pass interference call on Elante Taylor, where the ball was horrendously underthrown and the, the receiver was working his way back. And Elante Taylor didn't even touch him, and it was a P.I. for like 20-something yards. And now the Green Bay Packers are off and running. I thought that was just like, it was offensive how, how bad that call was. But anyway, Saints fans, they could go on all day about bad referee calls. I'm not blaming it on the refs or anything, but that one still irks me, John. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it was nuts because because then you get into the whole conversation of well, um, you know, was it a catchable ball and did, did the receiver have a chance and was he in the area and all this and in the game gets too litigated at that point yeah, yeah. and it's, it stops being football and it starts looking more like a courtroom of everybody's trying to make their case and it, it, it's it's ridiculous so but it, it sucks but these things happen and it really sucks because Lante Taylor was the player of the game up until that point I, I mean he was. He broke he he broke up uh, I believe three passes he had a sack uh, he had a couple tackles for loss I mean he he was playing with his hair on fire up until that point and it, it just couldn't have happened at a worse time that was painful I didn't think he initiated the contact and I don't think that that ball was going to be caught if there were no defenders on the field I don't I don't think so but anyway yeah. that's just an aside that annoyed me but really what I wanted to ask you John okay Jameis was in a tough spot right I thought. The momentum shifted in Green Bay's favor. You're in Lambeau Field. The crowd's getting into it in that fourth quarter. All that. You could feel it coming. I thought the play calling when Jameis got in that game was kind of infuriating. Like, how many down-the-field throws? How many back shoulders are we going to try? Low percentage, tough plays. How many plays are we going to try to make out there with the backup quarterback in there? Like, does Pete Carmichael have anything in his bag to get Jameis going, get him comfortable, get him in a rhythm? Like, you know, I don't know. I thought that was annoying. Like I said, it was more than it was infuriating. And I thought Jameis pretty much did his job. He got you a position for the field goal at the end. I thought he did okay, considering what was going on. But yeah, the play calling, that what was going on with that? It was insane, man. And, and the Saints were averaging four yards per carry in the second half. Like, and, and they were choosing to throw in these short yardage situations. Second and three, pass downfield, incomplete. Third and three, pass further downfield, still incomplete. Like, it, it, it's, it's crazy. And I, I, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And to me, that really, you know, sums up the Pete Carmichael version of this offense. There, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no, you know, planning for op- opponents. There's no, you know, calling a play here to set up something else there. There, 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 there there's none of that. And he, he's just out there calling plays. And it, it's so frustrating to watch. And because a team with this much talent in the receiving core, with all these resources piled up along the offensive line, 
you know, with, with all these running backs, even, even with Alvin Kamara, you know, down for this last game, um, they're just refusing to run the ball. They're refusing to give themselves a chance. And they, they choked. They gave this game away. Pete Carmichael lost this game because he, he was going for these kill shots whenever he just didn't have it in him to settle for less, I guess. I, I, I honestly don't know. You know, I, I would have to sit down with him and, and have, <laughs> have a talk and figure, figure that one out. Um, Record that for me if you do, John. Oh, I'll be sure to, man. That, that'll all be that'll be on the record. You know, you know, I'd, I'd love to sit down with him at a Blue Oak barbecue or somewhere, and we, we can have a chat. And it, oh gosh, man, it's it's so frustrating. And it gets to a point where you're like, okay, when, when are they going to make a change? You know, when are they going to try something different, or are they just going to go out? This, this is this is how Dennis Allen wants to go out. You know, you know, uh, uh, I just don't understand it. Like. Get, give Ronald Curry a shot, you, you know, give someone a chance to do something differently because what you're doing is not working. You know, we talked, we, we mentioned the stat before the show, the, the saints have now gone 11 games in a row with allowing fewer than 20 points defensively. And they've only won six of those games. And, you know, crazy. Uh, yeah, credit to Rod Walker at Nola.com, the times picky own for, for uh, digging that up. But that goes to show that Pete Carmichael's version of this offense is not a winning offense. It's not a winning formula. He 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 doesn't have it in him. He 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 does not have that dog in him. I'm sorry, and that that's costing the Saints games. And at some point, Dennis Allen needs to recognize that and make a change. You know, it's insane to me that he was not able to find anybody who wanted that OC job this summer. That he couldn't find a single soul who wanted that opportunity to work with all this talent and try and get this team to the playoffs. And he had to go back and make Pete do it again when he didn't want the job in the first place uh, two years ago. It, it, it's insane. It's, it's self-sabotage, and it, it's probably my biggest gripe with, this, with the state of this football team. It's a head-scratcher for sure, what's going on there. And then, you know, the Saints were almost, they probably should be 3-0 and right now, averaging 17.7 points a game, John, which is 25th among the NFL's 32 teams. So uh, not a way to live in the NFL, the way they're scoring points. Um, but you mentioned the defense. They were solid again. They're not allowing a lot of points. However, they did in this one have a 17-3 lead, only 8.27 left in the ball game. Packers had to go 80 yards from their own goal line. Now, that was the play. That was the drive, that first touchdown drive where the P.I. Well, there was a couple flags on that drive that helped the Packers and kind of got them going. But still... The defense was in a spot to kind of shut that thing down, and I think we all expect them to. Uh, I think if you gave us that situation, John, right, like up 17-3, 8-27 left, Packers are 80 yards from the goal line. We're picking the Saints 10 times out of 10, the way their defense is playing right now. Uh, this one they didn't finish. Is there anything to nitpick on the defensive side after this one? Yeah, man, I, I don't know what happened to the pass rush in this game. This was a Packers team missing its entire left side. You know, they were without, you know, all-world left tackle uh, David Bakhtiari. Uh, they've got a left guard they think very highly of in Elton Jenkins. And the Saints just couldn't get anything going against Jordan Love when, we, when he dropped back to pass. Uh, Pro Football Focus charts these, charts these things each week. And they call it the pressure rate, which is how often the QB was throwing under pressure. Uh, in week one, uh, Ryan Tannehill was under pressure on 42% of his dropbacks, uh, which we saw. You know, we saw him get sacked. We saw him got hit and banged up. Week two, uh, <laughs> Bryce Young was pressured on 48%. You know, half the time he dropped back under pressure. And what happens against Jordan Love? Uh, nothing. It, it was 22%. You know, they cut that in half while missing two starters. So, you know, Cameron Jordan didn't really show up in this game. Carl Granderson didn't show up in this game as a pass rusher. Brian Brzee had a batted pass. But the only sack came from Elante Taylor, uh, your slot corner, on a blitz. And 
that that's just not good enough. It, you know, it's that simple. It's not, and you're not going to win games. You're not going to force mistakes. You, you've got to generate some pressure up front, and if you're not getting there with rushing four, then you got to you got to send five. That's kind of Dennis Allen's philosophy. He's not. He has this reputation of being a coach who blitzes all the time. You know, just like Greg Williams, just just like Rob Ryan. Uh, but that's not who he is. Instead, he he blitzes. You know very carefully at very select times and he's often successful but games like this that that gets frustrating quickly because you, you just wanted to, to just say you know the heck with it we're, we're, we're going to send to mario davis up the middle um and when that doesn't happen you know you have jordan love you know going 85 yards downfield and taking the lead and then or you know tying the game and then and then taking the lead on a two-point play it, it, it's so frustrating to watch but you know what is the answer? Just blitzing more? I don't know. Uh, because that runs against what the Saints want to do philosophically. So it, that, that was my big gripe here. The run defense did well. The secondary, you know, except for those penalties, they did a good job. Uh, but the pass rush, it just did not get home after a what I thought was a very promising start to the season. Baker Mayfield, the quarterback coming up here. We're going to talk about Saints Bucks here next. He's one that if you blitz him a lot, John, he can actually burn you pretty pretty quickly. Baker Mayfield's good against the blitz. If you can get pressure with your normal front, that's when Baker can suck and throw you some. So uh, that's going to be interesting, the strategy against Baker Mayfield and the Bucs. Let's, let's talk about that one a little bit more, shall we? Saints-Bucks, we're getting into it coming up next. But first, some fantasy advice for week four from thehuddle.com. Corey Benini of thehuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number four. Quarterback Daniel Jones, New York Giants versus Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks have given up the second most passing yards so far, allowing 339 per game, including 361 to Andy Dalton last week. We hate to be reactionary, but three straight games with at least 323 yards allowed is a trend that cannot be ignored. Jones may be without Saquon Barkley again, and Seattle may be without its two best defensive backs, so keep tabs on those situations. Either way, Jones is a reasonable gamble versus a team that has allowed 20.8% more fantasy points than the league average. And of the 131 attempts faced, a lone interception goes to Seattle's credit. Running back Alexander Madison, Minnesota Vikings at Carolina Panthers. Madison's 27 utilizations generated 125 yards of offense in Week 3, and he did his part in fending off the fast-tracking of Cam Akers, who was acquired last week from the Los Angeles Rams. Carolina has given up major points to running backs, mostly stemming from six rushing touchdowns over the course of 75 rushing attempts, and the 344 yards allowed sits as the fifth-highest output. Only one team has surrendered more total yards per game to the position so far. Wide receiver Jerry Judy, Denver Broncos at Chicago Bears. After missing week one and shaking off the rust with a lackluster season debut, Judy started to look more like himself against Miami. He scored just over 13 points in PPR, and he should continue to see his role expand against a Chicago unit that has given up the 12th most yards per game to the position and also the 12th highest rate of scoring. He's no worse than a flex play and could produce strong wide receiver two results as Denver looks to overcome what was a miserable showing last Sunday. Tight end Dawson Knox, Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. Knox scored two weeks ago, but he bookended that performance with just 5.5 and 2.1 PPR points respectively. He has scored in two of the last three meetings versus Miami. So far, the Dolphins have done a rather poor job of limiting the position in fantasy. The matchup rates seventh for receptions and also PPR points allowed, and Miami's given up tight end scores at the sixth highest rate. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. The uh, Bucks, as we mentioned, coming to town. The Saints are hosting this one. Three-point favorites, John. We're not sure who the quarterback's going to be. We both assume it's going to be Jameis Winston, uh, which is fine. The Saints do have 
Alvin Kamara coming back, though. So how much juice do you think uh, the return of AK does for the team, the offense, and all that, John? AK is not going to fix every problem this team has, uh, but I I do think we're going to see improvement in some areas. I I think the run game is going to be a bit more effective having him back there. Um, I think there's been, you know, personally, I think there has been a ton of, you know, lost production in the from from the in the in the passing game uh, from the running backs as receivers where you know we we've seen Tony Jones not turn his head around at the right time or we've seen you know Kendry Miller maybe not run his route to the, to the to the right depth or whatever it may be having AK back there is that is such an upgrade because you're going from guys who are you know probably replacement level uh, re- receiving backs to arguably the best receiving back in, in pro football and I think that's going to be huge for the offense. Um, especially once Derek Carr gets back, <laughs> because we've seen AK and Jameis work together before, and it, it hasn't been that impressive. Um, Jameis Winston, he he just he has always struggled to get AK going as a receiver. He really struggles with the timing and the touch on those passes to the flats. I, I kind of feel like people need to temper their expectations here this week. Um, once Derek Carr is back in the lineup, I think AK is going to have, he, he should have his best season in years. Uh, from what those two were able to do in practice and in camp over the summer. Um, but the, the, here this week, not feeling too great about it. But I, I think AK, is, he's going to make some plays. He's going to do some things that we haven't seen from the Saints running backs this season. And I, I am excited to see him back on the field. And I know the team is excited to have him back as well. You've been on this topic for a while about you know Jameis struggling with those you know short passes, getting the ball to the running back into AK's hands. How Derek Carr is going to fix that problem because he's good in that area. We've been waiting for this moment. Week four, here we go. And Derek Carr's probably not going to play. That's kind of annoying, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so we're back to the same old thing with Jameis trying to get the ball out, and he'd rather chuck it 20 yards down the field. We know Jameis by now. Uh, but anyway, would you start – like we just heard from uh, Corey Bonini, right? Would you would you start Alvin Kamara in fantasy this week? Like folks who drafted Alvin Kamara, I'm sure a lot of Saints fans did. Oh, I'll, I'll take the discount on him, draft him, stash him until week four. Would you fire him up this week? Yeah, I think so. You know, if nothing else, he's going to have fresh legs. He's going to be running against a, you know, a Tampa Bay Bucks team that he has embarrassed before. Um, I, and I like those matchups. You know, De- Devin White is not, you know, at his best right now. I believe he has a hamstring injury, so he, he's not at, at 100%. So good good luck to him covering AK uh, down the field. You know, hopefully yeah. Jameis can hit him inside a couple times. And so I, I think it's worth it if, if, if you don't have other options that you're very confident in. Um, but at the same time, I, w- I wouldn't judge somebody at all for you know waiting until uh, Derek Carr's uh, running the offense again. What's just your take generally on this matchup, John? It just this these games with the Bucks had so much juice with Tom Brady on on Tampa Bay, right? They were so fun for a while there. I know the Bucks won the games last year, right? That they swept the series last year, but the year prior, uh, the Saints were just this like nightmare for Tom Brady. Tom was losing his mind every time he played the Saints defense. It was tremendous. Remember that nine nine nothing game a couple of years ago yeah. where the Bucks came in. Wasn't that in New Orleans? They came in as like eleven point favorite, or was that in Tampa Bay? I forget where that it was. was. That was in, that was in Tampa Bay. Yeah. and I know and I know this because it was on Sunday Night Football. Yep, and it was the first home sellout uh, primetime game in Tampa in like forty years, <laughs> and. They, they, they had to sit there in the rain and watch uh, Tom Brady just smashing uh, Microsoft Surface tablets on the side. <laughs> yeah, 9 nothing. They didn't score a point at home. They were like 11 or 12-point favorites in that game. Uh, and the Saints went in and stunned them. So these games have been fun 
for a lot of different reasons. What about now? Like, what do you think about this new incarnation of the Bucks? They still have a lot of those same guys, just not Brady. Now Baker Mayfield's in there. You know, what, what concerns you? What's your take on that team? All that. These are two deeply flawed teams, both of them. You know, the, the Bucks. I'm not I'm not scared of the Bucks offense. You know, Mike Evans, he's not going to do anything. Well, the only thing he the only thing Mike Evans might do this week is get upset that he can't get open against Marshawn Lattimore again and throw hands again and get himself ejected for the third year in a row. But beyond that, beyond that, I, I'm not afraid of this of, of this offense. You know, the Bucks have one of the worst offensive lines. Um you know, ironically, uh, the, the Saints might be they might be one of the few that, that, that that's playing at a lower uh, uh, level right now. But you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid of this team one, one bit. And I, I I think the Saints can take care of business against them with or without Derek Carr. Uh, we we just saw them get demolished on Monday night by by, by the Eagles. And I think the Saints are going to challenge them in a lot of the same ways. You know, uh, the the Bucks offensive line has just been eroded over the last year year or two, and the Saints have a defensive line that that should on paper. Uh, get, get after the quarterback just like they were supposed to against the Packers. So I, I like the Saints in this game. I like the the way that both of these teams match up. And I, I'm, I'm going to pick the Saints even though Derek, I'm not expecting Derek Carr to play. All right, I like that. The Saints are favored by three, John. Do you think they cover that spread? Or it's right. getting scary to, co- to pick the Saints to cover when they're not scoring a lot of points. I don't know if right. Jameis will give us a little love there. I don't know. We'll see. It, it, it would be nice, yeah. You know, I I, I think the Saints are going to win. I think it's going to be an ugly like seventeen to thirteen game, something like twenty to eleven, mm-hmm. something yeah. something like that. You know, it's, we're not going to see a lot of points scored here because both teams do have pretty stout defenses. Uh, but I do I do think the Saints have have what it takes to to separate. Yeah, what you just said about the spread there and taking the Saints shot, I agree. I think my take on this was, and I think a lot of the public is on this too. It's a trend, but. The under in these meetings, especially with the Bucks, they can't run the ball right now. They really struggle to run yeah. the football. They're going to be one-dimensional on offense. That should favor the Saints. Hopefully, that pass rush gets home, as you said. The Saints have their own problems on offense, and now we got Jameis in there, and it's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen. They might put up thirty-five points this week. You never know. It's Jameis Winston, or they could put up, like you said, thirteen and try to win it thirteen to six. So uh, the over/under, the total is thirty-nine and a half. That's a low number, but. I would still look at betting the uh, under in this one. I think if I was betting anything on this game, the under I would feel the most confident about. I agree with you. Ugly, low-scoring kind of game. Two offenses that are really struggling, and a Bucks team that's one-dimensional going against that Saints defense that should have their way. I don't think the the Bucks are getting the twenty points. No freaking way. Yeah, man, I'll co-sign all of that. Uh, I think you're on the right on the money. This would be a great opportunity for Juwan Johnson to break out because he has been the yes. guy I've been, I've been most surprised by through these first three weeks as far as not getting a lot of targets not getting a lot of opportunities um not not getting a lot of scoring opportunities which was so weird because over the summer he was the guy he he was the one that Derek Carr I mean he was having press conferences where where he was you know confusing him for Darren Waller because he's such a similar weapon who has had so much success before and it's so odd that Juwan Johnson has not had those opportunities here he hasn't got gotten those looks I wonder if that changes now that Jameis Winston is running the offense, and, and maybe that's somebody he looks to uh, whenever the Saints get down in scoring position. So I, I would love for this to be a big, a big Juwan Johnson game, and I'm sure all the people who drafted him this summer because I told them to uh, would love to see that as well. Oh, you, 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 oh, you mean my tight end in fantasy? I've been scraping, <laughs> scraping the waiver wire trying to replace him every week. I haven't dropped him yet because I do think I know what he can do. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, Juwan Johnson, where's he been? 
Where's he been? That's a great. I'm glad you brought that up, man. Yeah, he's been disappointing. My sleeper. I was telling all my buddies, oh, I got the sleeper of the year. Don't worry. I I know things from doing these podcasts with these smart guys like John Sigler of the Saints Wire. Tell me to draft Juwan Johnson. So yeah, so called smart guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to check John's stuff out on the Saints Wire if you have. If you don't, I'm sure you do. If you found our podcast, we appreciate you. You could subscribe, tell friends, all that good stuff. We'll be back each week of the season breaking it all down and. Including next week after Saints Bucks. We will talk to you then. Mm-hmm.